0: Sunday. Yes, sir. You guys here? All right. You know what happens if you don't respond, right? Well, let's see. There we go. Well, there's one thing that was uh, that was cried out on this particular day uh, about. Two thousand years ago and that is Hosanna Hosanna we're going to learn this morning what that word means and why it is that the people were were crying out they were proclaiming Hosanna Uh, so that's very important that's why we see all the palms around it's considered Palm Sunday that's what it's referred to it's Jesus's triumphant triumphal entry into Jerusalem and so we're, that's what we're going to be focusing on this morning. But before we do, just a few announcements for you. Number one, we do have a baptism on Sunday, April 11th. So we have Easter Sunday next Sunday, uh, which, by the way, we'll have a sunrise service at Hunter Hobby Park at 6 a.m. Bring your um, bring your own chairs that way or blankets, whatever it is that you want to use. Um, and just uh, it's a wonderful time of just going and and. Sunrise, I believe it's at like six twenty-five. I believe I, I, I had looked it up, um, and so just in the middle of the message itself, we will have the sun rising in the background. Just just a blessed time, of um, of rejoicing in the Lord and praising in His uh, His His uh, victory over the grave on that day, and so that's going to be at Hunter Hobby Park. That's at six a.m. Nine o'clock. We'll be here. Next Sunday, going backwards, Friday, we have Good Friday service at 6.30, and then Wednesday, we're not going to have a midweek uh, Bible study, but we are having the uh, Seder presentation on that evening. So those of you who have signed up, uh, we will see you here on that evening, just so you know, there's not going to be a midweek study, but we will have that. And then baptism will be a week from next Sunday, and it'll be here. So make sure you sign up. Sign up. If you're going to be baptized, whether it's today uh, that you sign up or next Sunday, make sure you sign up. That way we can prepare um, you for that day and prepare for you. <clears throat> so that's what we have going on. We also have the foundations classes that, have, that are coming up. So if you haven't signed up for those, make sure you do. Just a quick reminder, men's prayer breakfast is this Saturday, April 3rd at 7 a.m. <clears throat> and uh, then I already told you about all the Easter services. In no midweek service. Alright, so this morning, we're going to start out in John chapter 12. And I'm going to take you back about 2,000 years. I'm thinking about how it is that Jesus had had left the area of Galilee, that is in northern Israel, and had traveled southeast um, toward the area of Jericho. Uh, Jericho is a place that is known for its palms. In fact, uh, if you've gone to Israel and you've traveled in that area and been either into Jericho or around Jericho, you will know what I'm talking about when I say that as you look toward Jericho, coming outside of Jericho and into Jericho, it's just a place where there's Thousands, tens of thousands of palms, just a sea of palms as far as the eye can see. I've never seen anything like it. And yet this was the area that Jesus traveled to. He traveled from Galilee into the area of Jericho. And from Jericho, he made his way into the Judean wilderness and into Jerusalem. This morning, we're going to be talking about when Jesus came to the Mount of Olives And from there, made his triumphal entry into Jerusalem. Hosanna. Let's begin by reading in John chapter 12, verse 12, which says, The next day the large crowd that had come to the feast heard that Jesus was coming to Jerusalem. So they took branches of palm trees and went out to meet him, crying out, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes In the name of the Lord, even the king of Israel. And Jesus found a young donkey and sat on it, just as it is written, Fear not, daughter of Zion, behold, your king is coming, sitting on a donkey's colt. Heavenly Father, we thank you, Lord, that we can be reminded of the hope that is certain. Lord, that blessed hope... That can only be found in Jesus Christ. Not in anything of this world. Not in any person outside of Jesus. Not in any system or program. But only in you. Jesus said, I am the way and the truth and life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Jesus, you declared clearly that you are the Messiah. And I pray this morning that you would make yourself abundantly clear in each and every one of our hearts, that you would be lifted up, and that as we cry out, Hosanna, Lord, that we would do so with great understanding, knowing that we have not only found and come to know salvation in Christ, but Lord, that we also have this wonderful hope of forever being in your presence because of your grace. And so, Father, we thank you, Lord, for this morning. We commit it into your hands. We ask your blessing and we pray this in Jesus' name. And all of God's people said, Amen. So, Psalm 118.26 says, Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. We bless you from the house of the Lord. This is something that the people cried out in that, on that day as Jesus was making his triumphal entry into Jerusalem. Psalm 118.26. The city of Jerusalem, as we do go back 2,000 years ago to that particular day that was uh, prophesied by the prophet Zechariah and fulfilled 500 years later, it's on this day preparing for Passover, where tens of thousands of people were pouring in from all other areas all around the world. They were pouring in. Jerusalem was beginning to bust at the seams, you could say, in that day. There was much excitement. There was an intense anticipation among the people as they saw Jesus coming into Jerusalem. But the question that we ought to ask is, what's the whole purpose? Why is it that we celebrate Palm Sunday? It's not just another day. It's not a week to where, okay, any other day perhaps we don't come to church, but today, okay, we'll make it a point to come to church. There's a purpose. There's, a, there's an eternal purpose for why it is that we observe a day like this and are reminded of God's love for us, His grace and his forgiveness that he's offered through Jesus Christ. But the people in that day, some knew exactly who Jesus was, and others had no idea who Jesus was. They were only desiring, some of them, to be delivered from under oppression, the oppression of the Roman rule. At this point, though, everyone had rallied around Jesus Christ, and they were excited about the anticipation of his deliverance, the deliverance of of the people from under Roman oppression. And they were actually anticipating his rule and reign. They were hoping that he would be at this point to become their king, their ruler, that would deliver them once more from under Roman rule. In John chapter 12, verse 19, there was a religious group that came together, and as the people cried out, were telling Jesus to tell his disciples to be quiet. Why? Because they knew that the things that they were saying really were blasphemy if he wasn't God. In John chapter 12, verse 19, it says, So the Pharisees said to one another, You see that you are gaining nothing. Look, the world has gone after him. Now, Jesus, I want want you to know that Jesus said 75 times that he came to do one thing. Do you know what that is? There's many answers to that question. But he came and said 75 times. I... Have come to testify of what? The truth. 75 times. I have come to testify of the truth. 25 times, he used the du- double emphatic. Truly, truly, I say to you. Think about it as you've read through the Bible and you remember those times when Jesus said, Truly, truly, I say to you. He said that 25 times. Jesus came to testify of the truth. Zechariah 9.9 is truth. It is reality. Which says, Rejoice greatly, O daughter of Zion. Shout aloud, O daughter of Jerusalem. Behold, your king is coming to you, righteous and having salvation as he. Humble and mounted on a donkey, on a colt, the foal of a donkey. This, by the way, was written between the years of 520 and 470 B.C., 500 plus years before this event actually took place, exactly the way it was prophesied. Uh, this This is something profound. This is something we need to truly think about, consider, meditate on. Still 2,000 years ago, this is resonating in humanity. This word, Hosanna, is the same word that people are crying out with and hoping for that perhaps there is a Savior. Well, Jesus said He was the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father except through Him. He is the Messiah, He is the Son of God. You see, Jesus had spent three years performing miracles, correcting, teaching, doing all kinds of things that declared that he was the Messiah, the Son of God. Jesus throughout this whole, throughout this whole time had eyewitnesses to all that had taken place and is about to take place up to and including his crucifixion, his resurrection, and his ascension. In fact, Let me take you back just before Palm Sunday. Uh, Jesus had gone to the home of Mary and Martha. And there was a great event that took place in the home of Mary and Martha. You see, they were mourning the death of their brother Lazarus. And what is it that Jesus did on that particular day? He, too knew what it meant to grieve, to mourn. He wept because his dear friend Lazarus had died. And he raised him from the dead. In what we read here, in verses 17 and 18, that this was the reason why all the people were surrounding Jesus in that day. He had the power to resurrect the dead those who had gone beyond life and see, it seemed to be impossible to bring back, Jesus had the power to resurrect. Verse 17 says, The crowd that had been with him when he called that Lazarus out of the tomb and raised him from the dead continued to bear witness. The reason why the crowd went to meet him was that they Heard He had done this sign. We also understand that Jesus in this day, not only were the people there for that express purpose because they knew that he had the power to resurrect, he had the power to heal those who were sick. He had power to give sight to the blind, to give speech to the mute, to give legs to those who were crippled but he had gathered all those people together. This was was all God's plan. He gathered all those people together to declare that he was the Messiah, the Anointed One. About a year before this, Jesus was teaching a large crowd out in the country, and perhaps you remember this. uh, Out in the country, they spent hours, and he spent all that time teaching the people, and the people were getting hungry. So Jesus instructed his disciples to feed them, but they had little faith that they could do that very thing with such little food. It was a little boy's lunch that they found, but they soon realized that Jesus had the power to multiply a small amount of food, five loaves of bread and two fish, and with that he fed over 5,000 people. In fact, he even had 12 baskets of food left over. Well, the crowd was so impressed. What are you impressed with? Why is it that you're following Christ? What is is it that you desire from him? This is why I'm going back to some of these stories. Because remember, there were large crowds that were following him. What is it that you want him to deliver you from? They wanted to make him their king. In John chapter 6 verse 15 it says perceiving then that they were about to come and take him away by force to make him king, Jesus withdrew again to the mountain by himself. It was not his time. The crowd Sense that Jesus had the bearing to be the long awaited king of Israel. They wanted an earthly king, a king who would sit upon the throne of David to deliver them again from under Roman oppression. Again, I ask the question what do you want to be delivered from? Sometimes we can stand behind the pulpit as pastors and we can say, you know, God can deliver you from drugs. He can deliver you from alcohol. He can deliver you from adultery. He can deliver you from a broken marriage. He can deliver you and the list goes on, doesn't it? But let me ask you something. The blind who are made to see the lame who were made to walk, the deaf who were made to hear. What good did any of that do if they themselves did not believe that Jesus had come to testify of the truth, him being the son of God, who was prophesied would die for them would rise again and would ascend to the Father. I'm sorry, but your healing in any way, shape, or form matters not one bit. It doesn't, it doesn't matter. If, if you're here looking for that, that is the wrong thing to be asking for and crying out for in church because Jesus did not come to do that he came to testify of the truth all those things were great and they are great but all they were doing was testifying of who Jesus is in what he came to do are you still seeking a deliverance from any oppression here on earth The only deliverance really that we should be crying out to God for is a deliverance from eternal condemnation. There's a place that's real and it's called hell if we don't repent of our sins and turn to Christ. You know, later as Jesus would tell Pilate, my kingdom is not of this world. If my kingdom were of this world, my servants would have been fighting that I might not be delivered over to the Jews but my kingdom is not from the world. John 18, 36. Jesus' kingdom indeed is not of this world, but his kingdom is for this world, that is, for the salvation of all who place their trust in him. An offer of forgiveness by grace through faith to save from eternal condemnation. Today, just as then, the world is looking for an earthly savior. The earth is ripening for the Antichrist, the charismatic man who will save the earth from all its troubles. Do you sense that happening today? I do. I see it. Especially this last year, we've been conditioned in such a way that it's almost automatic, or it is automatic, to simply do what we're told to do without any use of this thing that we have between our two ears, our mind. Recent news, thegatewaypundit.com. Perhaps you've read this, I don't know. Um, And forgive me if I'm not up on these people, so if I mispronounce or you know perhaps who I'm talking about and who this is referring to. Lil Nas X, sound familiar? Maybe not with everyone. Teams up with Mischief, uh, that's all I can M-S-C-H-F, right? To release a new athletic Nike shoe, Air Max 97 Custom, dedicated to Satan. Complete with a pentagram and a drop of human blood In each shoe. Look it up. Not being conditioned. You're being conditioned. The shoe also contains the numbers six, 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 and come in a limited edition of guess how many pairs? Six hundred and sixty-six. Oh, but it does have scripture. No, it 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 really does. Stitched on the side of the shoe is Luke 1018, which says, and he said to them, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. So Luke 10, 18, and guess how much each pair of shoe costs? No, actually more than that. <laughs> Luke 1018 will give you the clue. Yeah. But get yours quick because they're going to run out. (laughs) $1,018. So that's what we have, and that's being promoted. Can I tell you something, church? Those of you who are watching online, too. You really need to wake up. really need to start searching the scriptures for yourself. You need to know what's going on. This is, this is not a game. We're not, you know, on a, on a Sunday like this, you know, let me take you back a year from today. I, sa- I said in the message a week, uh, I mean a year ago today, that I believe that COVID 19 was going to sift. It was also going to strengthen, but that's exactly what it's done. It's done all the things that I expected it to do. But one of the things that I believe this last year has done, hopefully, is, is woken up the remnant, the few. The, the path is not wide to the Lord, it is narrow. Anyone like Rob Bell that is trying to widen the path. Those who are trying to reconstruct the faith. I had this conversation with someone in regards to that whole heretical teaching of of people of the like. That's all stuff that's been happening from the time of the garden. Did God really say right? This whole year has been, did God really say, I mean, we're going to go ahead and deny those things that are written in God's word, and we're going to, instead of following God's word, we're going to follow man. Now, the world is ripening for the coming of the Antichrist. The church needs to wake up. We need to rise up. We need to get passionate, become passionate about making disciples and proclaiming the gospel of Jesus Christ, even more so. You see, the most important salvation doesn't come from man. It doesn't come from anything temporary, but someone who is eternal, who is the same yesterday, today, and forever, the one who came to die and take your place on the cross. His name is Jesus Christ. Jesus' entry into Jerusalem In this manner, for you, was prophesied by Zechariah 500 years earlier. And it took place on this day. This is Palm Sunday. What we see here on this Palm Sunday is Jesus revealing who he is, not just to his disciples, but to the whole world. But just like today, even here this morning, we will have some who respond favorably to this message. And others who may respond unfavorably to it. You see, God doesn't shove salvation down our throats. He offers it. It's His grace. Some of you will willingly reject the offer of salvation. And some of you are just asleep. In many ways. I pray, my prayer, and I know the desire of the Lord is that none should perish, but that all should come to repentance. It's a glorious day. It certainly is. But Jesus didn't come to just go through the motions. He didn't just come, okay, well, I fulfilled Zechariah 9.9. Okay, we're good. Check, right? He was doing all of these things to, to demonstrate who he is and for us to respond. So people are coming from all over into Jerusalem. Tens of thousands were beginning to pour into the city celebrating the Passover. And Jesus is coming. They were coming in to celebrate the Passover. Having arrived at the Mount of Olives, Jerusalem can now be seen just beyond The Kidron Valley. And I'm just thinking how it is that he came from the east. He's still traveling east. He's east of the mount. On the Mount of Olives. The Kidron Valley is just down below. And he calls for his disciples to bring him a donkey that had never been ridden. They found it just as Jesus had said and Zechariah 9.9 9 was fulfilled before the rise as Jesus rode into Jerusalem on this donkey. There is a, an amazing prophetic fulfillment that goes back to Genesis with Abraham and Isaac. You know, we know that Abraham was called by God to sacrifice his son, As we fast forward and look at Hebrews 11.19, it says that we we get a little bit more insight and details in regards to what it was that Abraham was thinking when he went up with Isaac, his son, to Mount Moriah to sacrifice his son. It says in Hebrews 11.19 that he knew because God had promised him that this was the promised son, that even if he did sacrifice his son, that God was able to raise him from the dead. Is God able to raise from the dead? The answer is a resounding yes, he is. And when Abraham and Isaac walked up that mountain, and Isaac looked, and he saw, he saw the wood, he saw his dad, he says, where is the sacrifice? And his dad's answer was, God will provide for himself the lamb for a burnt offering, my son, Genesis 22, eight. It's in that very place that God provided for himself a sacrifice. He provided himself a sacrifice. Hosanna means save, I pray. Save now. Is that still your cry? Turn with me to Matthew chapter 21. Matthew chapter 21. Hopefully, you understand that that scripture should make you think, should make you examine your own heart and allow and ask the Lord to examine your own heart. God's word does not return void, it accomplishes that which He has purpose for it to accomplish. You just need to think about these scriptures. Think about what we're going over. So Matthew chapter twenty-one verse six <clears throat> says the disciples went and, he, and did as Jesus had directed them. Uh, they brought the donkey and the colt and put on them their cloaks and he sat on them. Most of the crowd spread their cloaks on the road and others cut branches from the trees and spread them on the road. And the crowds that went before him and that followed him were shouting, Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. And when he entered Jerusalem, the whole city was stirred up saying, Who is this? And the crowd said, This is the prophet Jesus from Nazareth of Galilee. Who is this? Hopefully you're not still asking, Who is this? We ought to know by now Who this is. Because the crowds knew exactly who Jesus was. Some knew he was the prophesied Messiah. And others knew that he was the son of a carpenter. He was uh, from Nazareth. He was uh, a man that grew up in this family. In the area of Galilee. But this is none other than that Jewish carpenter from Nazareth of Galilee. They all knew that. And this right on the cold was a deliberate act of self-disclosure. Remember that he came to testify of the truth. In a court of law, there must be full disclosure. And Because Jesus is truth, he is coming to disclose fully who he is. He's testifying of the truth, even in fulfilling Zechariah 9.9. He's testifying of who exactly he was. There could be no doubt as to who Jesus was claiming to be and was and is. And many believe that Jesus, in fact, fulfilled to the exact day on his triumphal entry, Daniel chapter 9, verses 24 through 27. So, those of you who take notes, jot that down Daniel chapter 9, verses 24 through 27. But these people knew exactly who Jesus was. They were spreading their clothes on the ground. They were putting tree branches on the ground, including these palm branches before him. What does that all mean? By doing this, they were recognizing that Jesus was king, they were declaring to him their loyalty. They were recognizing that he was their Lord, their king, and they were there to support him. This was indeed a triumphal entry, a glorious entry. Now, you think of the other people that were present. Not everyone was excited about Jesus. You you think Rome was excited about Jesus? Rome was not excited about Jesus. Rome was the the government at that time, the ruling authority. They weren't happy about Jesus. Uh, The religious leaders of the time, were were they excited about Jesus? Now remember the Pharisees? They weren't excited about Jesus. They were reigning, he was reigning on their parade. Uh, The government was afraid that the people were following this Jesus of Nazareth. They weren't happy about him either. They wanted to silence him. So you can imagine everyone around as the people before him and after him were shouting, "Hosanna to the Son of David, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, hosanna in the highest." Mark eleven nine 9 says, and those who went before and those who followed were shouting. Shouting. Hundreds of people around him. And they were all shouting. Luke 19, 37 says, the whole multitude of his disciples began to rejoice and praise God with a loud voice. John 12, 13 says, and went out to meet him Crying out. When you when you speak of Jesus, do you whisper? Do you, when you when you talk about Scripture, do you? Real quiet. Don't don't want to offend anyone. Just keep it to ourselves. No, brothers and sisters, cry out. Proclaim who Jesus is. The people referred to Jesus as son of David, king of Israel. They said that he comes in the name of the Lord. You think about um, the story of the Samaritan woman at the well where Jesus confronted her. It's found in John chapter 4 and what I always find fascinating is how it is that as Jesus confronted her and confronted her sin, because he is omniscient, he's the son of God. She went from referring to him as a Jew, uh, as a Jew and then from, went from referring to him as a Jew to prophet, and then from there to the Christ, the anointed one of God. She in one conversation. That's why it just baffles me when we need conversation after conversation after conversation as if Jesus were the one on trial and God was the one that is supposed to defend himself because you have truth and perhaps you can catch him in a lie. In one conversation, this Samaritan woman realized who was before her. The anointed one. The Christ. And she wasn't quiet. In fact, she went into town. Once she learned who he was, she went into town, told everyone who he was. And they said, because of this woman's testimony, they said to the woman, it is no longer because of what you said that we believe, for we have heard for ourselves. And we know that this is indeed the Savior of the world. There were those who knew Jesus as a man, a historical figure, as a teacher, as a rabbi, but others knew Jesus as their Savior. How do you know Jesus? And why do you cry out to Him? Hosanna, save now, save, we pray. Turn with me to Luke chapter 19. Matthew, Mark, and then Luke. So Luke chapter 19 and verse 36. Remember I told you that Jesus said 75 times, that he came to testify of the truth? Well, truth isn't silenced. Verse 36 says, And as he rode along, they spread their cloaks on the road. As he was drawing near, already on the way down the Mount of Olives, the whole multitude of his disciples began to rejoice and praise God with a loud voice for all the mighty works that they had seen, saying, Blessed is the King who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory in the highest. And some of the Pharisees in the crowd said to him, Teacher, rebuke your disciples. He answered, I tell you, if these were silent, the very stones would cry out. That would have been awesome, though. If they, Okay, go ahead and be quiet. Let's watch what the stones do. But the whole point was is that truth is not silenced. Some didn't believe even though they knew Scripture. Let that sink in a bit because there are people who know scripture very well and believe it or not, still don't believe. Had they gone back to the Old Testament scriptures and looked at what the prophets had prophesied, what Moses had written, they could have seen clearly Jesus for who he was and is. But these were people who are more interested in keeping their own authority and rule over the people. You see, they were looking to maintain their place in the world. They wanted to make sure that they had favor in the eyes of Rome. They were even willing to sacrifice truth. Sometimes we're willing to sacrifice truth to appease man. It, it can be at work. It's like, you know what, I got this job and there's no way that I'm going to follow through with what I know to be true. I'm gonna go ahead and compromise for the sake of my family. There are people who are willing to sacrifice the truth for those things. They would rather kill the word And live for the world rather than die to the world and live for the word. They had scripture before them but couldn't perceive that Jesus was the prophesied Messiah. Think about that. We have the Bible. In our country, in in the U.S. of A., we have free access to a Bible. Many people know the gospel they've had the gospel proclaimed to them they can even quote scripture to you and yet there's no perception there's no understanding they can even quote scripture they can repeat it but jesus answered the pharisees i tell you if these were silent the very stones would cry out Even today, there are people who desire to silence those who shout and cry out that Jesus is the Son of God. But again, truth can't be silenced. It can be personally rejected, but that does not make it untrue. This is nothing new also. Satan desires to silence or twist truth. Satan is constantly working to silence truth, replace faith with fear, and replace hope with despondency and creating a dependence on anything but God. In fact, in the UK, it was recently reported that the majority of the country now claims that they do not believe in God, 52%. The majority says they don't believe in God at all. But I actually think that that was pretty accurate to begin with. It just, now the people are being perhaps a a bit more honest. Remember that the path is narrow. When it becomes difficult, when our faith is tried, that is when we're either found genuine or false. There are many people who will come to faith, and at some point when tribulation smacks that person in the face. When they find it difficult to walk out their faith, they run. They walk away from the faith. That is a time to dig in even more, to read scripture, to walk by faith until it becomes substance for you, to where you know it to be true. But salvation is found in Jesus Christ, the only hope of mankind from eternal condemnation. You see, the truth can be rejected, and even as we learned in Romans chapter 1, it can be suppressed, but it can never be silenced. It always reveals reality, and most importantly, it always reveals a person's heart. The question is for you and I, what does truth reveal in you? Again, it's a glorious day. We have this Palm Sunday We have this day in which the king truly was riding into Jerusalem as prophesied by Zechariah. Who is he to you? What is truth revealing in you? Finally, Hosanna, let's turn to John chapter 12. Back to John chapter 12. And verse 12, once again, says the next day, the large crowd that had come to the feast heard that Jesus was coming to Jerusalem. So they took branches of palm trees and went out to meet him, crying out, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, even the King of Israel. Hosanna. Matthew, Mark, and Luke all record the people as shouting and crying out this word, Hosanna. Hosanna. It means, as I've said several times, save now. It's an expression of adoration, of praise, of joy. And it's a plea to the person that they're crying out to, to save them, to rescue them. The people were praising God for sending the Savior who would deliver them from oppression and trouble. They were hailing Jesus as their king and recognizing him as the son of David. They even, they referred to him as this is the son of David. They believed that salvation had come and indeed it had, but the king's victory was not an earthly one as they expected and they were disappointed when he was crucified to prove it. But rather, this king's victory was an eternal victory over sin and death for you and I. The carrying of and laying down of palm trees, uh, the leaves, and, and other branches symbolized victory and success. But it would come through the cross and not a crown. You could just imagine the king taking the crown holding it while it was replaced by a crown of thorns. You see, the king had come to conquer sin and death. Riding in humbly on a colt into the city of David, his time had come. Salvation has come. The victory is known, and it's written in 1 Corinthians 15, verses 56 and 57. Jot that down. There's no more. To the one who is in Christ, there's the, the sting of death, the sting of sin is, is no longer real. It's not there to the point to where it brings us into eternal condemnation. We are free from that if we simply surrender to Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. To know victory in Christ over sin is to know peace before the Father and the Son His wrath against our sin was satisfied through the sacrifice of the Son, who paid for our sin in full. David Guzik said this, quote, Jesus came to Jerusalem in humility, yet with appropriate dignity. Instead of coming on a horse as a conquering general, he came on a colt as was customary for royalty. He came to Jerusalem as the Prince of Peace, close quote. One day he will be riding on a horse, a stallion and he will come to reign and rule. We will come with him, by the way. But at this time, he's coming in humbly into Jerusalem. One day, by the way, he will stand on the Mount of Olives, and he will walk and enter into a specific gate, which at this time is blocked off. It's the eastern gate going into the temple. But do you think a wall is going to stop Jesus? Absolutely not. You will enter in. The people had it right, although they didn't understand fully at the time. And Jesus did come to deliver, but he came to seek and save the lost. Who do you say Jesus is? And do you believe he is the son of God who came to die on the cross for your sins? Was buried and on the third day rose from the dead? Psalm one eighteen, nineteen 19 through 29 speak of a feastal sacrifice. One who has arrived and through his sacrifice, we will know victory over sin and death. Only in him. Hosanna, save now, save we pray. I hope that that is your cry. God has allowed the whole world to be shaken. It's a good shaking, by the way. It's been a difficult year, but it's been a good one. And it wasn't just the United States. It was the whole world. The whole world. He's telling the world, look up for your redemption draws near. That's good news. Believe in Jesus Christ as Savior and turn from your sins. The world is backwards, evil is good and good is evil. Cancel Mr. Potato Head and cancel Pepe Le Pew. (laughs) Cancel historical monuments, tear them down. But it's okay to promote lesbian sexual acts on TV and she was dedicated to Satan. It's okay to riot in groups of thousands to destroy property but not okay to go to church in groups of hundreds to worship God. Church think, please think. Some people have been struck with fear so much so that they're still sitting at home and not willing, being, being healthy and not being willing to come in fellowship and fulfill the mandate to not forsake the assembling of ourselves. And you know who struck fear in the heart of even the church? The media and government. Rome. So why can we rejoice? Because of the hope we have in Christ. Jesus came to give us life and hope by giving his life willingly. John chapter 3, and I'm coming to a close. John chapter 3, verse 16 says For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. Whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe is condemned already, because he has not believed in the name of the only Son of God. What is your cry? What is your shout? Because it was this cry and this shout that came on this day, because prophecy was fulfilled. He is the Messiah. It wasn't with full understanding in that day of who Jesus was. But again, are we any different today? I pray that you cry out to Jesus with a full understanding that salvation has come and he is your Savior. Do you know salvation? Do you know the Savior? Would you exclaim, Hosanna in the highest? I hope that you would. Glory to God. I am forgiven. I am saved from my sins by God's grace in Christ through my confession of faith that Jesus is the Son of God who died for my sins, was buried three days later, rose from the grave. He is the Son of God. He died for me. Today let us rejoice for the Savior has come. He saves and He alone is our hope. We no longer, we sung the song, we no longer have a fear of death. Why? Because to live is Christ and to die is, we know the scripture, to die is gain. To be absent from the body is to be present. John 14, 6 says, Jesus said, I am the way and the truth and life. No one comes to the Father except through me. In Acts 4.12, it says, And there is salvation in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given among men, by which we must be saved. I hope that <clears throat> if you don't know Jesus as Lord and Savior, and there's, there will be fruit in your life if Jesus is your Savior. If there's no fruit in your life, Jesus, it's doubtful that he's your Savior, and even more doubtful that he's your Lord. I want to be very honest with you. I don't want to sugarcoat things. I don't want to lead you to believe that simply by saying a few words that that saves you. No, 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 no. Repentance saves you. Belief in Jesus Christ as the Son of God, that saves you. So the first thing that you need to do is cry out to God, ask him for forgiveness, and turn to Jesus as your Savior and your Lord, and then follow him. Jesus said, if you desire to be my disciples, then deny yourself pick up your cross and follow me. Those are simple tests of the disciple, of the genuine follower of Jesus Christ. He will have authority over you in your life, but he will give you that hope of forever being in his presence because of your faith in him. I'll leave you with this quote by C.H. Spurgeon. Quote, it is a mark of Christ's presence when the church becomes enthusiastic. I hope this last song, I mean, we cry out with enthusiasm, all right? We sometimes hear complaints about revivals being too exciting, perhaps the censure is deserved, but I would like to see a little of the fault. This age does not generally sin in the direction of being too excited concerning divine things. We have erred so long on the other side that Perhaps a little excess in the direction of fervor might not be the worst of all calamities. At any rate, I would not fear to try it. Close quote. So let's try it. Hosanna. Hosanna Hosanna in the highest. And he certainly delivered, right? Those who have placed their trust in him. Father, I know that your desire is that none should perish, but that all should come to repentance. Father, I pray for those who are here who perhaps have never completely looked to you through Jesus Christ being Lord and Savior to know your grace. And I pray, Father, that this morning would be, today would be the day of salvation, that this morning, right now, in their seats, Lord, that they would cry out to you, just asking you for forgiveness. Lord, truth reveals all things, sheds light in those things, and whether they're of you or they're not of you. Lord, I pray, Father, that we would be willing to humbly turn from those things and cry out to you. There's salvation in no other name. For there's no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved, only Jesus Christ. And I pray, Lord, and I ask, Lord, that you would move in our hearts and anyone who has not come to you would do so at this very moment for those who have walked away Lord that today would be the day of repentance of recommitment the day in which you the father opens up your arms to welcome that son or daughter that has walked away from you and I pray Lord that you would forgive us of our sins. That, Lord, today we would rejoice and we would proclaim not only that you would continue, continue to save us, Lord, which you are, but, Lord, that we would rejoice that you are our Savior. So we thank you, Lord. We rejoice. We love you. And we pray this all in Jesus' name.